Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Yo. Yo. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we bout to party. We bout to party. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gon' turn it up. Hey everybody, welcome to AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. I am Aubrey Edwards here with my wonderful guest co-host, Alex Eberhentes. How are you doing, buddy? I am doing fantastic, Aubrey. Really excited to be talking to our guest, one of the most unique individuals in all of professional wrestling. A lot of fun, and he knows how to party. Oh, big time, big time. We've got... The 28th Ring of Honor World Champion today, self-proclaimed Hanson and Lady Gaga fan. Honestly, like one of my favorite parts of Ring of Honor and part of what drew me to Ring of Honor when I first started watching wrestling beyond like just standard like big TV wrestling. Like, welcome Dalton Castle to the podcast. Oh, geez. Well, thank you. Thank you both for such kind words. I appreciate that. And Aubrey, you've been one of the people... That have made my transition to AEW uh, very, very, very easy and welcoming. So that's that's really checks in the mail, man. to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and I do know how to party. You do. You're gonna want you're gonna want some sharp cheeses mm-hmm. and uh, olives. Olives really bring up the atmosphere. So make sure those are on the yep. list. I've heard you can make a mean charcuterie board. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. we've already got two of the ingredients. Right. I was going to ask, <laughs> is there any beyond sharp cheeses and olives? Is there anything that you feel is necessary for a good charcuterie board? I mean, you can add more, but I mean, those are the base ingredients. You get those two in the house and things are going to get wild. Has the charcuterie board ever been used as a foreign object? Oh, I. you know what? Maybe not so much an object. I remember uh, years ago in Ring of Honor, Cody and I had a contract signing and he had brought out some meats and cheeses. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and he hogged them all. He ate them he all. He did. Big Man, cow. How selfish of him. Oh my God. I feel like not necessarily in a match, but like anytime there's a like backstage food fight segment, like if there's a charcuterie board around, like someone's taking it to the face. It's great. Who cleans that up? Building staff or mm, great question. TV staff? Because that's all I think about when I see backstage food fights. Uh, whoever it is, they signed up for a bad day of work without knowing about it because <laughs> I'm sure that's a hassle. Because the building's a rental. Yes. And we're just like throwing frosting all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever been backstage in an arena, but there's crevices everywhere. It's like uh, an English muffin. Crevices. I love it. That's such a great word. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Let's let's talk a little bit about Dalton Castle and just the history that he's had. Okay. Been... Let's make it snappy because I got things to do. I'm busy. I got to bring oh, the Subaru in. I got to varnish <laughs> some paintings. There's a whole day ahead of me. Wow. <laughs> Sounds, you've uh... been... 
Ring of Honor World Champion. You've been Ring of Honor World Television Champion. You've been two-time World Six-Man Champion with uh, along with the boys. Number 15 on PWI Top 500 back in 2018. You've had a wonderful career in Ring of Honor. We'll get to some of the prior stuff as well. But I want to talk about back in April of last year, Supercard of Honor. You reunited with the boys. What was like the first time that you heard that TK was buying Ring of Honor and sort of what was your emotion? Oh, I heard uh, when the rest of the world heard uh, when it was announced on TV and then Twitter exploded. It was a wild night, like emotionally, because like right before that, I, I mean, I don't know how many people know the real story of Ring of Honor where we closed the doors maybe like three months before Tony bought it. Mm-hmm. And I would say maybe nine to 10 months before that, I had like gone to like this weird crossroads where I was uh, I was going to leave Ring of Honor. And like a last second decision, I just realized how incredibly lucky I was to be a part of ROH and how happy I was there and how how I think I figured out what I want to do with the rest of my life. And I decided, okay, no, I'm not leaving Ring of Honor. I'm going to I'm going to stay right here. And that was January 2021 when I made that realization. And it was like the best eight months of my life. After that, there was like this weird clarity. I was the happiest I've ever been. I feel like my work improved because I finally figured out what to focus on. I feel like I had some of the best eight months of pro wrestling in my life. And it was weird too, because there wasn't even like an audience. We were still doing kind of closed arena shows. And and then come late October, we had this meeting and they were like, nah, remember all that happiness you found? It's over. Oh. We're, uh, we're closing the doors. <laughs> Everyone's fired. Get out. Oh, no. And it was just weird. I was still in a good mood because I had that moment of clarity and I knew what I loved and what was important, but I didn't have a job anymore. So it was like this weird balance between emotions. And then March, Tony bought Ring of Honor. And like instead of like shock and confusion, it was like optimism. I just realized, oh, my God, finally somebody who loves pro wrestling is is in charge of this and i think we're gonna be okay and i just kept thinking real positive about it and then i got invited to come be a part of the first show and it was it was amazing i have so much gratitude towards uh tony and everyone who's kind of helped out to revive and keep ring of honor alive it's it's wild it really is a wild time right now and i'm really happy about it so let's talk about your first appearance on uh, AEW TV, right? What was that like? When did you get that call? And what was kind of going through your mind when you realized, wow, okay, Ring of Honor was acquired. Now I have an opportunity to be exposed to all of these other amazing wrestling fans all across the world through AEW. It was like, I think I got called like two days in advance. Sounds about right. I, I was excited. I wasn't like nervous. I think I was most nervous about like, entering a new school and then once i got there i was like oh no i know all these people these are all my friends i've known them for like decade already i knew the uh the weight of like seeing more eyes on me but i, I didn't really fear it because i i've always kind of trusted in myself i know i'm good i know i'm real good at this i just kind of had to like just keep doing what i was doing and just not treat it any different one of the things i loved about that in particular is you have a presence about you and you have just a phenomenal character and 
presentation and all of these things like the the spectacle of professional wrestling is is alive and well whenever Dalton Castle enters the ring. One of the things I love about sort of AEW is when people come from prior organizations, that is still intact. So I know I was ecstatic when you got announced as appearing on Battle of the Belts 2. I was like, oh my God, we're going to see a Dalton Castle entrance with like clapping and sequins and sparklies and wings and a human chair. And and the original boys, right? Was that the first return of them? I think so. I think that was the return of them. But yeah, it was just so awesome and wonderful. And I remember your kind of ascension of everything. Like when I found out that you were going to wrestle Chris Jericho and he's going through this whole, I'm going to wrestle every former ring of honor champion. How did you find out about that one? (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. So like the, uh, the entrance and everything for the show, that's always like a risk. Like someone likes what you do in the ring doesn't necessarily mean they're going to allow you to do everything that you've been doing prior. And uh, with Tony, that wasn't the case at all. It was he wanted it like uh, we did super card of honor. And then when I remember coming to the back and talking to him and he was like, hey, I think we need to get the boys back. And I was like, yeah, that that makes the most sense in the world. And then we did battle the belts and there was the production team was so patient to like rehearse everything and make sure they got the camera shots right. And like that settled me down and uh, set my mind at ease and having Brent and Brandon there alongside me, was just like, like riding a bike. It was like, this is the (laughs) comfort level Mm -hmm. that I remember. I trust these two more than I trust anybody. So like, and to get to do that on the big stage of AEW was like setting me up for, some really easy success. Once that went well, I, I remember getting a couple of weeks of traveling with the with the with the show. I might have been Toronto. The first night of Toronto, we were there. I got told uh, you're going to be probably doing a segment with Jericho tomorrow, and like that was words I didn't think I would ever hear in my wrestling career. <laughs> <laughs> but so thrilled to do it, and like the next night. I'm going out on this program that I never really featured. Nobody should know who I am in the AEW audience. And I'm going out on a Canadian show against their Canadian hero, Chris Jericho. So like the second I walked out, there was that, well, how is this going to go? But the crowd was so welcoming and, and loud. They chanted my name. I didn't even introduce myself. And I was like, oh, okay, uh, I'm comfortable. This is going to go great. And then I think I had like four days to just freak out about it over the weekend until we had the uh, the show in uh, Cincinnati. That's how I heard about it. Quickly, briefly backstage. I'm like, hey, this is going to happen. So just be ready. I remember that Wednesday, I'm pretty sure it was, of the match. We saw each other at catering. And I remember saying to you, I'm like, can you believe how the world works and how we're here at this moment in time. And I'm like, I'm so proud of you to have this amazing opportunity to Chris Jericho. And I can just sense the excitement and just how ready you were for this. What was it like after the match, you know, and and what was it like being in there with someone like Chris Jericho? Well, one thing I remember most, no matter like what kind of weird excitement, you know, when you get like a situation and like it's loud, but then it's quiet at the exact same time. That's (laughs) That's <laughs> this is a horrible way to compare it, but the, the scene Saving Private Ryan. But, but it makes sense. It makes sense. It makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. So I just remember being like 
in that mode. And the thing that sticks out the most to me is you, Audrey. Like there was something you come over and you get in my face. You're like you're doing awesome. You're wrestling Chris Jericho on TV. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> and that like, that kept me going real amped up. It was just really fun. And I there was nerves because I don't want to be the guy that Chris Jericho thinks sucks because like I look up to him so much as a performer. Sure, it's a little easy too because like you're like well, I'm in here with Chris Jericho. This can't go wrong. It's gonna be great. Plus the circus happening around the outside with all the boys and Jake. Yeah, we had a we had a number of boys that time, and that was when like Jake had the hat. They I think they stole the hat. Like it was just a wild, wild time. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I love about working with Chris, especially when he's working with guys that, as, as you say yourself, like AEW audience isn't necessarily familiar with. Like he's very good about making sure that you are highlighted in the way that makes you look good. Like, oh, this is your offense. Cool. We're going to make sure this works. This is part of your character. Yeah. Okay, cool. Your entrance is great, but let's put you on a fucking throne. Like, let's do all the things that make people believe in Dalton Castle so that this match is competitive and that people believe that like you have a potential shot at winning the title off of Chris Jericho. And I just, I absolutely love it. Like it's the, the fact that I got to work with both of you at the same time was just like, oh, Made me feel so good. And it's a, it's a, it's a learning lesson for anybody who works for him or when he watches that because you watch these guys who've been around and you think, oh, they're just kind of looking out for themselves. But with Chris, and it should be with everybody, you really need to remove the uh, the selfishness of it. No one ever goes, uh, that guy was good in that match, uh, but the other guy sucked. They just think the match sucked. <laughs> so right. like, if everybody's not doing great, then you're not yeah. putting a good story together you're not giving a good performance so like it's nice to see that and like learn that from watching somebody do it for me it's this is such an awesome conversation we've got more coming up on aew unrestricted it's alex and aubrey back here at unrestricted with our very special guest the party peacock himself dalton castle Dalton, we talked uh, quite a bit about what it was like coming to AEW, but let's rewind a little bit. What was it like going into ROH? Where were you before? How did you get the call to end up in ROH? And uh, how did this whole kind of experience with Ring of Honor start for you? I think what happened was, I might have the order of things a little out, but I'd kind of been knocking on Ring of Honor's door for a little bit. I had lived in Albany, New York. Bobby Fish and I were really uh, close friends. We traveled together and he just started kind of like being there full time. I got invited down to a tryout in WWE 2013 or 14. I don't remember the year. It went so well until it didn't. And that really messed with my head uh, being told no. And there was a few months of like weird depression where I was like, well, I don't know where I belong then. And I remember going to a Ring of Honor show. I think it was Final Battle at the Hammerstein. I talked to Rhett Titus. He uh, he said, you can come help set up the ring. So I showed up, uh, set up the ring, said hi to some people. And then I just stuck around for like the, the opening match. I had to like catch a flight or something. But I remember when like the, the Jethro Tull song plays that before the show starts at Ring of Honor and the, the lights start going and everyone's banging on the metal guardrails. There was this like energy in the room that like I've never felt at a wrestling show in my life and just like really became clear. It's like, oh, I don't I don't I don't need WWE like, like this 
is where I belong. And like, I can be a part of this and find the happiness that I'm seeking in this art form right here. And it like really lit a fire under my butt. And I started like working harder. I got, I stopped like feeling sorry for myself and thinking like wrestling was over. It was like, there's more paths than what you thought there was. And after a few months, I was putting together some pieces to the puzzle. I knew what I was doing wasn't like connecting with the crowd and talked with some friends in Canada who were running the show. And we started like brainstorming an outfit idea. I, I got the jumpsuit, I, like a cheap one. I got this cheap like jumpsuit and I already had a cape because who doesn't? <laughs> and, of course. Just have one laying around. And my friend had set up for me to come out to his show with uh, three showgirls and I remember like doing it. We didn't like to block out the entrance or any way, but it was fun. And then I came in the back and he's like, hey, how, how'd it go? And it's like, it, it was good. I think it needs to be boys. And like just that realization like made me everything so much easier. I drove home and in my mind putting together the pieces. And like six days later, I had a show and I had costumes together. And I would just grab two local students to go through the entrance with me. And the first night I was like, oh, this works. So I, I maybe did that for about a year or two before Ring of Honor gave me a uh, a look. And they uh, I did like a training camp for them. I showed them the the act and they said, we're going to put you in the top prospect tournament. Ooh. That was in Nashville, which is where I live now. And I remember I had the flu five days before. Oh, no. <laughs> I flew myself out to Nashville, chugging Dayquil met the Tate twins at that show, which just like by happenstance, they were standing ringside and I needed two guys to help me with my entrance. And they were the ones that looked exactly like each other. And we were like, well, this will work. Yeah. And they took it so serious. Like we had just met and they like rehearsed. We were on hour number four. And I remember seeing them in the back, like going through the motions of everything. It, Cause it, it was there. It's not, it's my night. It was my match to lose or, or get a job, and they focused so hard to help me out that it made everything go so well. I think it was from that point we we're like, oh, yeah. I mean, it should be the same guys every night. Well, I don't remember what the question was. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what the question is. This is just such a great story. It's so fantastic. Yeah. I was I was curious, like, and I think I've asked you this backstage, like, do you just have a suitcase full of boys' costumes? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and now there's like a, a prop box like that travels with the show, I think. There's just so you can go in and get yourself some baby chicken shorts or something. <laughs> yeah, if I just want a mask and some baby chickens. I thought you were gonna say you can go and Pick out some boys. I was like, wow, that's a pretty yeah. big road case. Yeah, there's a roadie case full of boys. <laughs> case one breaks. It's pretty great because it's like, all right, what extras do we have? Which ones are rhythmically inclined that can actually clap on beat? Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, you, you, you. Okay, what size do you need? Open up this giant box of like, all right, here's some shorts. Here's some sequins. Here's a mask. Here you go. So <laughs> It's my dream. Uh, do you think we, I want 400 boys from the rampway to the ring? And I want to float across the top of them. Wow. Or they just like hold you and just guide you yeah, down the ramp. Yeah, the hands, yeah. And there's feathers everywhere. Don't make me touch the filthy floor. <laughs> no, no. It's like pe people body slam on that floor. You don't want to be there. There's like sweat and it's just, it's gross. And boy feet. There's boy feet all over uh, that floor. That's right. I always hate when we're in one of those cold venues and I'm like, oh, I feel so bad for these little oh. baby chickens right now. <laughs> Yeah, I like it backstage. Sometimes I have to remind them. You, I go, you can wear clothes until it's our turn. Like, you can put a shirt on. 
and they're just shivering in the corner like chihuahuas. <laughs> that's oh, that's boy. also a phrase you only hear in wrestling. It's okay, you can wear clothes now, and then you'll just have to take them off before you go out. There's there's oh, very no. few professions where that's the case. <laughs> I should really watch what I say. But you, yeah, you might have uh, the boys uh, forming a union. You don't want that. <laughs> they're going to unionize. <laughs> <laughs> we are not projectiles. <laughs> <laughs> Poor boys. Let's go back to 2017 and talk about Final Battle, the big night that we all were hoping would someday happen. Dalton Castle becomes Ring of Honor World Champion. Mm. What was that like? And obviously, you had been dealing with some major back issues as well. So tell us all about that experience. Yeah, that. First off, there's always like the risk. You, you get some news ahead of time. And you're like, well, is this real? Is this really going to happen? It's pro wrestling. I, things change like right up into the last minute. So like that anxiety I'm dealing with for, for months going, I don't know. I, can't, I didn't tell anybody that that was the plan. On top of that, I had broken my back like a year prior and just was unaware of what the injury was i just kept ignoring it and dealing with it mm. like i remember for months i would show up to shows and i would just lay on an ice pack until like my music was playing and just go out there and pretend to wrestle somehow and i knew down the road what the plan was for me so i i couldn't just take time off or tell anybody uh, i just had to deal with it which looking back is a really stupid mentality, but also it's like why my career is where it is today. So I don't know how it would have been if I went the other route and I don't really regret it. I regret having such weak bones. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> but that night, I mean, no pain. I mean, it was such a, an adrenaline rush and so exciting getting to do a big grand entrance like that in the Hammerstein is so much fun and Cody being such a, a gracious person to work with and he was very very fun as a partner to have in Ring of Honor because I feel like at that point he was really focused on getting the most attention out of stuff it's like the thing we were talking about with Jericho. He wants everything in the match to be great because it's his match too. So that was a night to be very proud of and to get to fly the flag of the ROH world champion. It's another thing like you don't think starting off in wrestling, you don't know where your path is going to take you and you watch these people ahead of you, you don't know if you're going to be able to step into the role that they are. You imagine yourself there, but then it happens. And now I'm the one who's uh, the face of the company and my back is broken. So mm -hmm. it was like I have all this ambition and I want to do so much with this position. But really, all I can do is try to hold on and fight through it. So like it was almost like each week it was. I'm just fighting even harder than I was the last because I'm starting to lose a lot of my ability. Then it got to the point where I wasn't even be able to get out of bed. Wow. <laughs> I was still champion. So like, I can't even walk. How can I be world champion? But went on for another few weeks. And then finally, uh, after six months, they said uh, they were going to take it off me, which was such a gift. <laughs> For me, as a, for my health, <laughs> yes. uh, it was just disappointing because, like, I I knew where my brain and my heart was, uh, but at the time, my body wasn't able to hold up for it. But I feel like I, because I had so much heart and ambition, like 
I fought way harder and longer than I think anybody else could have done in that spot. And I'm proud of it. I'm, I'm proud of for the accomplishments I did because I know the limitations I had and I know the performances I still gave, which are incredible because that's my how biased I am. <laughs> I'm incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think in pro wrestling, you sort of have to believe that, right? If you don't believe in yourself, no one else is going to believe in you. Yeah. Despite all of the adversity you have with literally having a broken back, like just knowing I can do this, it's going to be really hard and it's going to hurt a lot, but I can do this. And then people see you as champion in the face of this company and they're like, yeah, no, he can do this. People believe in you. What's great now is like knowing how much I could accomplish at that point in my life and how much pain I was in. I look at where I am now with the the afforded time off and getting myself back in shape. And I am stronger than I have been in the last three years. I am more capable of performing so much better now than when I was world champion. So it's exciting to see like, what I, what can I do now that I'm healthy? It gives me the positive uh, approach to everything I do. Cause like now I trust myself more than ever. I know where I'm at and I feel great. So it's nice. It's a fun time in my career. It's super fun time. I absolutely am loving this conversation. Coming up, we've got a little bit more about your background and fan questions coming up here on AEW Unrestricted. This is Aubrey and Alex here, AEW Unrestricted with the wonderful and amazing Dalton Castle. And this has just been a wonderful, positive conversation that started at charcuterie boards and mm -hmm. has gotten all the way to broken backs and believing in yourself and just a wonderful, wonderful, positive, great way to start. Now let's start doubting ourselves. <laughs> Ooh, now we really get deep. Right. Uh, we've got fan <laughs> questions coming up. But first off, I wanted to ask uh, about Ashley Remington, <laughs> which is a character <laughs> you used to portray, I think back in the Chikari days. Can you talk about how this character came about and a little bit about Ashley Remington and if it had any sort of impact on who Dalton Castle is now? Ashley Remington was approached. I was approached by uh, several guys, which you you might know as the best friends. There was a lot of Chikara boys at AEW. Yeah. So. I think Chikara was on a break for the year. They were doing a bunch of shows like Wrestling Is, Wrestling Is Awesome. Just a bunch of different like offshoots. And I was a part of those shows. And they had the idea of this smooth yachtman that they they were shopping around. It must have been a joke between them for years, I think. <laughs> and then they, they approached me and they're like, hey, we think you could play this role. And I said, let's do it. Why not? It sounded fun. So we figured out a way to make it that uh, Ashley is Dalton Castle in a, like a Brewster's Millionaire situation. We put together these like videos where uh, my great uncle Crabtree dies and he leaves me a bunch of money. But unless I live the rich, <laughs> rich yachtsman lifestyle, uh, I lose the money. So, you know, standard wrestling storylines. Yeah, totally. That is so ridiculous. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what their vision was. But I knew there was a sailor hat and they wanted me to be smooth. So like uh, I put together some things. They they came up with this ridiculous theme song. They wanted me to come out with uh, ladies. I don't know. It was another one of those things where you walk out and the crowd was instantly really welcoming and, and accepting to like the character, which like then they played along with everything I did. 
and it was fun. Yeah. And like, I think they gave me Chuck Taylor as my first match, which like he wanted Ashley to succeed as more than probably I did. So <laughs> it was just ridiculous. And I love it. And I can't wait to do it again. I got to do it again on the, uh, the first Jericho cruise. Yes. I came back as Ashley. Wow. Well, maybe you can continue to revisit that throughout the course of your career. Yeah, I feel like this Dalton thing has really run its course. Let's bring back <laughs> smooth sailing. Well, thank goodness for Ashley then. Uh, let's continue on actually talking about, you mentioned theme music. We've got a lot of questions from fans about one particular band. And uh, this one here starts it off quite well. So Katron Gbot wants to know, Dalton, do you have beef with Emi Sakura over your entrance music? Between the two of you, who is the biggest Queen fan? Wait, what is her song? She used to come out to Queen. She has like a whole Freddie Mercury gimmick for a bit. Oh, oh yeah. Well, then, yeah, there's major heat. And then she does the we will, we will chop you. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, no, because we're we're using different catalogs. Fair. My song is <laughs> clear, clearly a rip. Well, my, my first song was a ripoff of uh, I Want It Now. And then... I recently changed it maybe like a year or two ago to something. It's like a cross between uh, Radio Gaga and um, Tears for Fears. Everyone wants to rule the world. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, as long as we're not using the same theme, we're cool. Yeah. She's clearly a cool person if she's into that kind of scene. Yeah. Maybe you can mix tag with her in the future. You never know. Oh, yeah. Mix tag, <laughs> not, not feud. Yes, definitely a mix tag. Better idea. I just... I feel like that would work really well, like the Dalton character along with Emmy, who, you know, uses refs as stools to drink tea. I do often pass Emmy backstage, though, and we're always I'm always like complimenting her our capes and robes. We're always just like, "Ooh, yeah, you do have a That's lot in common. Does Dalton drink tea? What do you think, pal? Oh, oh, yeah. This is meant to be. I, I think I think the storyline is writing itself. I want one of those hats that she wears, though. <laughs> the crowns? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I guess that's what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> those hats. <laughs> Just one of those. No big deal. You know. Got a question from Jean Creamers. Filthy name. I know. Gonna need to know what your favorite Queen song or album is. <clears throat> I don't know if I have a favorite song. I guess I want it now. I want it all. That might be my favorite one. It's a good one. That's why I had to like lose it, lose it though, because I was hearing it too much. <laughs> Got a question here from AEW Metrics who wants to know, what is the proper amount of rotations for the optimal bangerang? Oh, it's not about rotation. It's about centrifugal force. So if you get spinning quick enough, fast enough, you can drop them quicker. It depends on, I guess, the size of the, the opponent. If it's cheeseburger, I could probably go half rotation. But if it's Satnam Singh, I'll probably be there for a while. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Understood now. Three, four minutes. Going to skip ahead a little bit. We've got a question from Joe. This is something I'm interested in. I didn't know this was uh, a part of you and who you are until you kind of just dropped it a little bit in our first segment. But uh, do you have a favorite painting? Or other favorite piece of art? No, I don't think I like one thing where I just always go back to. I've got really short attention span, but I also have like a wide range of taste. So like I can get joy out of like the simplest little painting if it's just like four splashes of colors that just look nice together. Or uh, I can go 
stare at the something from like Van Gogh or like, ooh, this is this is messy and gritty. I don't think I have like one particular favorite. I did just go to the Frist. There's a museum here in Nashville. Me and David Arquette want to go look at some paintings and some sculptures. And there was like this guy, Jeffrey Robin. Oh boy, I should know the artist's name. I don't remember it. But he had a bunch of like jumpsuits made. He like had jumpsuits that were like art pieces. And they're like covered in beads and like crystals. And I was like, oh, this is really speaking to me. (laughs) So I've got an interesting question here from Kyle who wants to know. What's the funniest time you made someone break character? Because I got to imagine this happens quite often with you. Oh, my God. I don't know. I know times where I break. I've been in matches where something just goes awry and I just blurt out, flat out laugh because I think that's how I handle situations instead of freaking out and going, oh, no, this is terrible. I laugh and say this is terrible. Do you remember one of those moments for you? Yeah, it would have been a long time. It was an independent show in like Buffalo. I remember this guy went to give me a body slam and then he like went to do a leg drop and just missed. And we just start belly laughing. Like you could see me on the on the mat, like my my chest going up and down. Yeah. And I remember RJ City was at that show and I got to the back and he called me out on it. He's like, you just flat out laugh in front of everybody. Yeah. Go, they saw what happened. Sometimes those are the best moments. You're just being authentic. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Very funny. Yeah. I mean, if you're enjoying it, you might as well. Then the crowd knows you're enjoying it, even if things don't go right. I'll never hold back a laugh. It's painful. You're going to want me to hold in a sneeze? No. And why would you rob yourself of that, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. you want to laugh? Let yourself laugh. Perfect. Feels great. You can laugh in public and you can't go to get arrested for it. Got a question from Phoenix. You've been a beacon for Ring of Honor for as long as I can remember. What are your thoughts about Ring of Honor and the support of fans during the pandemic? I love Ring of Honor. I'm very proud to be a part of it. It's a tight group, not just like the uh, the performers and the uh, the staff, but like the fans. I feel like truly because of like the size of the audience was kind of niche and and smaller than the other shows on TV. and it didn't get the exposure that we get on AEW, I feel like people felt like it belonged to them. It was ours, and it still feels that way. And for when the pandemic happened, to see so many people stick around and and still support the shows that we were putting out there, even though it wasn't the, the same, it meant a lot. That's, I think, part of why I felt so comfortable there and wanted to be a part of it forever before they kicked me out the door. <laughs> That might be it. I've got a question here that I absolutely have to know the answer to because this is very interesting. So Julie Can Do That asks, well, she wants us to ask you about being on The Price is Right. Ah. I was on The Price is Right too. I'm dying to tell me your experience. This is insane. Well, first up, Julie follows me, uh, watches my Twitch stream all the time. So I know that name. I wasn't on The Price is Right. I was on Celebrity Family Feud. That's the one. Okay. Yeah. But first, let's start with Price is Right with you. What you were on, which, uh, <laughs> where were they filming? And they were filming in Burbank. I was the very last contestant to be called up. You know, they were going to call the last one. I'm like, oh, that's it. All of a sudden, they call me, and I'm running down the the uh, the aisleway. Was it Bob Barker? It was Bob Barker. Oh, yeah. oh that's so cool. Can you believe that? Yeah, it was insane. <laughs> it was insane. Well, you are like what in your sixties, right? So seventies, <laughs> actually, yeah, seventies. Okay. He's an old soul. 
<laughs> you got called down though. Did you get to play or did you just get the guest numbers? I got to play and here's the funny part. So when everybody, I, I, I guessed wrong, I, I should have bid the dollar, but I didn't. Yeah, but that's such a jerk move. Mm. It is, right? But the person who bid that won and then everyone was all like happy for them. And I was like, oh man. And then I realized the camera was on. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I was act all super happy that they got it right. So uh, yeah, amazing experience. Oh man. Game shows are crazy. How shiny you, are you surprised how shiny everything is? The floors. Yeah. And everything was so much smaller, but it was fantastic. It was like going to a really well put together indie show. Yeah, I would agree with that. Or like uh, the new Ring of Honor tapings where there was like a small studio and these big bright lights and everybody. Exactly. And then uh, guys in suits with skinny microphones. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We got to bring back that skinny mic. Okay, so Family Feud. Family <laughs> Feud, Family yeah. Feud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Family Feud. <laughs> I got to be a part of Team David Arquette. It was me, RJ City, Jungle Boy, and Peter Avalon. Pretty Peter Avalon. The five of us versus... Pee Wee Herman and his team. Oh, God. <laughs> what a random combination. Yeah, even ra more random and related to Price is Right. Uh, his fifth member on his team was Drew Carey, the current host of Price is Right. Oh, come on now. He should be banned from competing. <laughs> well, we were all nervous about it because, like, this guy hosted a game show, so he's like a ringer. Right. But then we kicked their butts so good that, like, Drew didn't even get to talk. I don't even think <laughs> they got to, like, the say hello to him never even put out one guess you're gonna be banned now from prices right forever because of that right yeah i thought well so i documented the whole trip i do it like a youtube series called planet peacock and rj and i were discussing like how we were worried that we were winning so fast that we thought we did something wrong <laughs> we're like none of these people are gonna invite us back to anything on top of that, we also screwed up the, you know, the beginning part where they do like the silhouette. They're like, let's meet this family. And then like turn the lights off and everybody runs down. Their side was around first and they screwed it up and didn't run down. So then they come to our side, the lights go on. And then I'm the only one who wants to move and everybody stays like statues. So then they just cut that scene right out of the taping altogether. We were probably supposed to be the first. They do two games on each episode. We were supposed to be the game, first game, but we screwed up the intro that they moved us to the second half. Oh. Uh, I got some beef with the with the Drew Carey. <laughs> yeah, we might have to settle that in an AEW ring. If it wasn't for their mistakes, they, we would have been pushed up the card and been opening act on the <laughs> first show. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And I've I've loved this whole conversation. Thank you for being here today, Dalton. You're welcome. I'm, I'm happy to hang out with you guys. Not so much this early, you know, got things to do. Oh, early for you, sir. I'm on the West uh, Coast. I questioned the scheduling of this. <laughs> the, the sun has risen <laughs> during the course of this. <laughs> you got to get to varnishing some wood or something like that, right? Painting. Painting. Oh, what do we got? I got to varnish this guy. Whoa. Ooh. That water there. It's a shark. Very cool. I got that. <laughs> Definitely watch the video version of this. So you can see this wonderful shark painting. <laughs> you can follow Dalton on Instagram at the Planet Peacock and on Twitter at the Dalton Castle. You can listen and follow this podcast. We've got new episodes every Thursday, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Watch the video version and see Dalton's amazing sweater that he's been wearing this whole time that I haven't put over until this very moment. Mm -hmm. Impressive. New episodes on YouTube. Just search AEW Unrestricted. We've got Dynamite. 
TBS on Wednesdays. We've got Rampage on TNT Fridays. We've got Elevation on Mondays on YouTube. Dark on Tuesdays on YouTube. And of course, we've got Ring of Honor on Thursdays, where you can catch this guy and his boys and throwing them around like torpedoes. It's absolutely wonderful. I am Aubrey Edwards here with Alex Abrahantes. Thanks so much for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up. Let me see you. Unrestricted. Unrestricted.